David hasn't been in power for a while now, and there is famine in the country, in Israel, for three years. There has been famine for three years. And again, it would be hectic if all the food in Riverside was gone, there's nothing to eat, or even within this nation of America. Can you imagine the hostility towards one another? How piece of bread, man, people would be stealing. Anybody gets anything to eat, or, or the rich, I mean, just all this animosity and all this anger stored up. Israel just ready, just ready probably to burst, bust at the seams. And David, the man of God, the man after God's own heart, get, check this. <clears throat> Three years go by, and then guess what happens? It says there in verse 2, that he, then he prayed and he asked God, or he came and he sought the Lord about what to do. Three years, then he seeks God. Three years? You would think that as soon as a famine starts to happen, or as soon as like there's no food, or there's no rain, or there's a drought, everything starts to go down, that he starts seeking the face of God immediately. Right? He's a man after God's own heart. But David does not seek the face of God for three years about this situation. And once he seeks the face of God, God tells him exactly why there is famine for three years. And I'll get to the reason in just a second. But this is true application right here, right now. One of my buddies was teaching last week, last Friday, at College and Career Daniel, and uh, he was just talking about how his dad brings everything to the Lord, like, ASAP. Like, everything. Like, I'm just going to pray about it right now. He, check this. His dad is an electrician, okay? Does commercial buildings. If you don't know what commercial is, that is, like, business buildings, okay? Yeah. Commercial buildings, he's an electrician. So that means what? That he puts in the lights, he puts in all the wiring, he puts in the undergrounds, anything dealing with electricity, he puts all this in. He puts the box in, the panel on the side, <clears throat> does all these things, right? Okay. So Daniel's dad is, is now, he's putting up the Christmas lights on the Christmas tree. Okay. And the lights aren't working for some reason. He can't figure it out, and he's sitting there, he's looking, and all of a sudden he just says, before he starts trying to unsolve this, or solve this mystery, he sits there and he's like, you know, I, I just need to pray. And Daniel's sitting there, I guess he's doing push-ups on the ground there in the living room, and he looks at his dad, and his dad's like, he's like, what? he's going to pray. And his dad bows, he starts talking to the Lord, he starts praying about the Christmas lights, <laughs> about what to do in the situation. And I just admire that, and I just look at that and say, man, that is amazing, that is awesome, that's powerful, that's Jesus stuff, that's what, that's what Jesus did as He walked with the Father daily, moment by moment, second by second, He's constantly what? In fellowship with the Father. He never did anything that the Father didn't tell Him to do. And we need to get to that point, and I don't know why David, I'm not sure exactly why for these three years, he's not spending time with the Lord or bringing the situation to Him. But is this not like us? We allow the situation to go by even for a day or two days. We're even like trying to find something. Ever try to find something? You lose your keys. 
Perhaps in old time. And you're just like, fine, I've looked everywhere, now I'll pray and ask God. And then you pray, and you're like, I, 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 this is just coincidence, you know, and all of a sudden, like, you lift up something and there they are. It's just like, nah, that's not true. <laughs> didn't really have, you know, you didn't really intervene right now. The same thing used to happen to me with my beater car, okay? I'm telling you, I remember I was over there in the wood streets. The wood streets over here down by uh, Central. I used to have this uh, 89 Honda Accord, okay? 90 Honda Accord, I don't remember what it was. But anyways, this beater car, I mean, it sounded like a lawnmower piece of junk, okay? It had like almost 300,000 miles on it. I drove this thing into the ground, all right? I got, got it for free from a... Yeah, anyways. <laughs> so I'm driving this thing, and it broke down over there in Central, and it had been sitting there for a few days, and I'm just like, oh. And so I go over and try to start figuring it out, and I worked on this thing for like an hour and a half, and nothing was happening. I couldn't figure it out, and I'm just like, fine, fine, you know, I'm ticked. And I'm like, fine, I'll, fine, I'll pray, you know, I'll, fine, I'll lift it up to the Lord. Okay. I get in my car, and I'm just like, Father, man, like complaining, like, come on, just please, would you just you know, start this thing, you know? And then, of course, there's that little doubt, like, yeah, it's not going to start. I turn the thing, and it starts. I'm like, I got out of my car, and I did this. I'm like, yeah! You know, like this. There's a lady, like, walking her baby or, her, like, her, her dog right there on the side, and she's, like, looking at me like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? But it's true. Right there in that situation, I was like, deliverance. And don't you know that God desires to deliver you right now where you're at at all times? It doesn't take three years God is ready and willing to minister to you right where you're at. Maybe He doesn't do it in the way that you want Him to. Like, I, 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 felt, I felt the the urge, even within myself, to almost doubt God because I prayed today, I kept praying and I kept praying and people are texting me, are we having Sunday night? I'm like, yeah, it ain't going to rain, man. I prayed, I'm praying. And I almost have doubt within my heart, like, it's raining and so now... Has God not answered me? Well, the answer is no. It's going to rain. Sorry, man. God can answer no. Did you know that? He can say no. And He had a different plan, and I don't know what that is exactly. I'm sure we'll see at the end of the night. But don't hesitate to pray. Hey, we're Christians, aren't we? Isn't that what we do? We pray, right? What is this within the church that we're scared to pray for one another? What is it when it's time to break into groups and pray that we're just like, oh, you know, oh, here we go, you know. What's with this, man? That's what we do, right? We talk to God. That's who we are. We have a relationship with Him, right? It's like, it's like this. Like, say, you're married. It's like, uh, somebody's like, well, why don't you go ask your husband or why don't you go ask your wife? And it's like, oh, it's kind of, we- kind of weird. <laughs> like, uh, right now? Are you serious? Right? You want me to ask? I mean, Oh, uh, uh, hey, uh, can we have a relationship with God, don't we? Isn't that what we boast in over every other religion? We know God and we talk to Him. And we spend time with Him. We have a relationship with Him. But when we're in the church, it's like the scariest thing in the world for us to play, even for our own family members. Even for the person next to us who's a brother in Christ who's known God. <coughs> I found it awkward, I don't know why, but me and my buddy Jeremy, my best friend for so many years, it was like awkward for us to pray for one another. What's this about? 
it's almost like the greatest division that God could ever do is cause an awkwardness. Like it almost it was almost to feel like, well, if I ask him if he needs prayer, then that's like me looking down on him and he's gonna feel like a shame or like maybe like he's not holy enough or he's not walking with God or maybe he's not gonna be honest with me because he doesn't want to share the real things that are going on because we're so close. Doesn't want me to look down on him and think this or that. That's not the way it works, family. We pray for one another. Because that's what we do. We talk to God. That's what a Christian is. David didn't pray for three years. Maybe there's a situation going on right now that you need to lift up. Right now. Maybe you haven't prayed about it. You haven't talked to the Lord. Has it been three years? Has it been three months? Has it been three minutes? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We need to lift these things up to the Father. And we're going to do that right now. We will not only be hearers of the Word, but we will be doers. And so that situation, maybe you're saying, yay and amen. Hey, I don't want you to forget, and I don't want to forget. We need to lift these things up to the Lord right now. Just 30 seconds, just a small, just, you just need to say to the Lord, this is it, Lord. I just want to communicate this with you. I just want to be open and honest about it. And hey, there's a famine in this land. And I want to bring this to you. I want to, you, you to know and to hear my heart. And please help me to take care of it. Alright, can we do that? Let's right now, let's go before the Lord. Just about 30, please, don't waste these times. Please family, let's come to the Lord together. And let's lift these famines up to the Father so that we can hear His voice. So that we can receive the answer. You have not because you ask not. Let us ask right now. Father, we bring these things before You. And we lay them at Your feet once again, God, this famine in the land for three years within our own lives, whatever it may be, we just hand it into Your hands. And God, would You speak to us, please? Would You open our eyes, God, so that we can receive from You and move in the right direction that You've called us to? We lay this before You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's three so so there's three years of famine, then David comes to the Lord and seeks his face. And guess what the Lord tells him? You want to know why there's famine? It's because of this. Saul, you remember King Saul? Remember he fell on his sword, he killed himself. He's dead. Well Saul, before he died, went and attacked the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites, if you don't know, they made a treaty with Joshua all the way back in the book of Joshua, a peace treaty, and no one this Israel was never to attack the Gibeonites. And guess who did? Saul went and attacked them and killed a lot of the people. And so God said, the reason why, the reason why there's famine in your land is because Saul has killed the Gibeonites and there has not been any kind of offering or anything made. You need to go and make peace with them. And that's why there's famine. And when you do, everything will be made well. So what does David do? That's an interesting point. I wish I could stop there and sit there, but... Real quick, family, a side note. Um, I guess they need to take a lot of the chairs in there, and so we don't have enough chairs. And so, um, okay, it's okay for a while. I'm just going to try to. I'm going to try to wrap this chapter up and try to sum it up for us. I know it's getting cold and it's raining. I, I can, um, let's continue on with our story. I'll try to sum this up. Okay. 
Let me tell the story. Let me just tell the story what happens. But there is reason why there is famine in the land. And God has said the reason why is because Saul killed the Gibeonites and there has not been anything done. He did what was wrong. And now you are reaping and sowing that in Israel today. You're reaping what you've sown in Israel today. And so, what happens is David goes to the Gibeonites. He's like, look, there's famine in the land. All this is messed up. What do you want us to do? How can we make peace with you? How can we make everything right? Okay? Because, hey, there's famine in the land and God has told me that there was something done to you by Saul that was not supposed to be done. He killed a bunch of your people and I'm sorry. So what can we do as an offering? And they said this, well, we can't kill any of your people in Israel. And he said, silver or gold, none of this stuff is going to do because these people are dead. But they said, hey, would you give us seven of Saul's grandsons. Let us take them back to our land and we'll hang them. That's what they desired. So David said, okay, give them what they desire. And he keeps back one man, he keeps back guess, Mephibosheth. This is the one that David spares. This is the one that David holds back. And then when you get into that story, and, oh, Mephibosheth, you should look into this man. But David spares this one and he sends seven Saul's grandsons to their death. And guess what? That's exactly what happens. The Gibeonites take them back to their city and they hang them. They hang them up on a tree. And it's now, it's it, the place where they actually end up taking the bodies is a place called Bet Shan, which is in Israel right now. You can go there and it's a Roman city that is just, I mean, it is erected and it is insane. Same place that Saul's head was taken. The same place as Saul's body when he fell on the sword. But anyways, so that's what happens. These seven grandsons paid the price for something that their grandfather did. Now, 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 let's talk about that real quick. Look at the legacy that you can and will leave. We've heard of... The statistics are so high that if a father... It's not walking in the ways of the Lord. And even if the mother is very dedicated, that the family will not see... Now, this is not all cases, but the statistics are very high that if the father does not make a stand in the household to seek God, that the family will not seek after him. It's like 90% of the time. But if the mother seeks only and the father doesn't, yeah, it's like there's like a 10% chance that it will happen. But if the father is seeking the Lord... And saying, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's, it's flip-flop. About 90% of the time, the entire household is seeking the face of God and knowing Him. Or do have some kind of foundation in Christ and will come back to Christ. The prodigal son, they run away for a time, they come back. But it's absolutely amazing that the legacy that you leave can be so powerful enough even to impact generations. And I know that right now, John Corson, my mentor, my shepherd, the man that I got to sit under for a while, that there is not a single person who has the name Corson, the last name Corson, that is not a follower of Jesus Christ. That he has left the legacy. That has made a decision that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and he will pursue everyone within his family. And it's very important, especially young people, please... You have a great opportunity now. I'm sure Robert would even testify these things to you. To start within a young age. 
and to start living for God and seeking His face and pursuing Him as hard as you can to set up for your family. And I have this desire as much as possible, as much as within me, that not a single Thompson for the rest of my days would not love Jesus and follow after Him. That till the day that I die that I'll pursue my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Pursuing them, that they would know the King and that they would seek His face. And these grandchildren of Saul, they, they reaped what he had sown. And you see that when a, when a father is an alcoholic, it's very likely that the son will do the same, that he'll fall into the drug, that he'll fall into the part, he'll fall into all these things. You take on the traits of your parents. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. And maybe you say right now, you know, maybe my, maybe my parents aren't the greatest example, or maybe not doing that. Hey, you can change that. I know John Corson's family. His dad... His dad, I guess, is, was, is, okay, John Corson's dad was like one of the meekest men ever, anybody's ever seen. This guy. I guess he never raised his voice once in the house against his wife. Not even once. Never heard him raise his voice. Definitely stern and to the point, but he never yelled. And I guess the man's parents, <coughs> I can't remember the complete story, but it's like, John's father, his parents, the father would like beat the mother and did wicked things within the house and I think the mother ended up like killing, her, killing him and killing herself or something radical, something crazy like this. And John's father made a decision that my family will not be like this and I will make the change right now. And he made a decision to change and to be different and to set a legacy and it is now bled into all the Corson family. It's absolutely amazing. And we can do the same family. We've got to rise up. Look at the family of America today. It's going down the drain, isn't it? Where's family? When do we sit around tables and have family time? We don't do these things much anymore. My family is spread and we're not together. And my family is you guys, it's true. Robert Hill and... and that's what I have. That's who I have here. I'm the only person here in Riverside. I have no family in Southern California other than my dad and my brother in San Diego. It's an hour and a half away. I see him maybe once a month. But we've got to make a change, or guess what? It's got to go down the drain. And we've got to make those decisions now. And know this, that we can harbor things within us. And there will be much reason why prayer is not answered. And why things are not done by God because of things that you choose not to seek His face in. Why was there a famine? Because Saul did something. That's why. Because he had killed a bunch of people. That's the exact reason. And there can be reason within our lives why God is not using us. Why God is not answering prayer in the affirmative. Why God is not moving in your life. Is it because you've wronged someone? And there needs to be a bridge built back. Is it sin that holds you back from seeing the face of God? That sucks that there is a block. God said, hey, my ear isn't dull that I can't hear you, nor is my hand short that I can't reach you. It's your sin that separates us. It's not God. It's you. It's me. It's us making a decision making effort. And so, what happens is, David goes and makes this treat, and makes everything well, 
and the land starts to prosper again. And at the end of the chapter, this is what happens. David goes into battle with his men. This is radical. I just can't believe it. Like, that's awesome. The king goes into battle with his men. He's not scared. He's in there swinging the sword, swinging the sword, and he gets tired. And guess what happens? They're fighting giants. The sons of Gath, they're fighting. They're fighting. And these men, one of them is the brother of Goliath. And one of these men holds a spear in his hand, as big as a weaver beam. Okay? And, and, the, and the head on this thing is 30 pounds on the spear. 30 pounds. You know how much weight that is? It's insane. I mean, I try to curl that. That's how I try to curl the gym. I think about 30 pounds. You, can't, you couldn't throw that if you wanted to. Okay? And, and, and a shot put, a shot put, you know the big ball that people throw in college? Like this? 16 pounds is what one of those weighs. And the beam on the end, and remember they try to throw this thing as hard as they can. The beam on the end of this was double the amount. It was 30 pounds on the end of this. And these are the giants that they are fighting. David and his men. David goes out there swinging the sword, fighting these people. And he becomes tired. And there's this man. I can't remember his name. But this giant who looks at David and desires to kill him. And it was his mission to go and kill King David out there on the field. And right as he comes to kill David, one of David's men rises up and slaughters him. Boom, takes the man out, takes the giant out. And then, they, and then David's men come up to him and say, David, you must promise us as long as the Lord lives that you will never come out and fight with us in battle again. We do not want you to be hurt. We do not want anything to happen to you. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I think that, I, I see a picture of this, of a shepherd. I remember John Corson, when he went up to start his church up in Oregon, he was ready to go to work. He went up there to start a church, and he started with like, uh, I think it was three families, probably a total of ten people or so, okay? It's just him up there, and they were listening to his tapes. That's how they were getting fed, and they said, John, we'd love for you to move up here and just teach us. Would you do that? So he moves from Southern California all the way up to Oregon. He just gets him and his wife and, he, and a baby on the way, gets in his little VW and drives up to Oregon with $100. And he goes up there and he just starts teaching them the Word. And he figured, well, I only got 100 bucks. It's time to go to work. I got to go get a job. And the people came to John and said, John, listen, we don't want you to work. We want you to minister to us. We want you to take care of us. We want you to be our shepherd. And that's it, bottom line, period. And I see this picture. See, when a man is fully dedicated to his people, the people look and will take care. And will put their hand upon and say, Yea and Amen to that. And David, the man after God's own heart, I love seeing him in the battle, fighting with the people, not telling the people to do this. Go and fight. Go and die. No, he is the one who takes initiative. And leads the army and says, I will fight with you. And then they come to him and say, David, please, you're too valuable to us. You are the greatest king Israel has ever seen. We do not want you to die. Please, go home. Don't come out and fight. We will fight the battle. We will lay it down our lives for you. We will take care of you. And I just love that. And I love that heart. And I think that we need to be this way under the body of Christ. We need to be taking care of one another continually. Hey, 
If somebody is growing weary in the battle, that you would reach your hand out and pick them up. That you would take them to where they need to be. You would fight the battle for them. The Bible tells us we are to carry each other's burdens. The only way we can carry each other's burdens is if we are fighting together, if we are in the battle together, if we are going through hard times together. I think some of the tightest bonds are created when you're out there in the field fighting in war. It's life and death, man. It's the real deal right there. And I think to myself, as we fight this battle, a lot of times we Christians don't like to pull down the barrier and be honest with one another so that we can carry one another's burdens. Something difficult for me, I'll confess, I'll be honest with you, family. As I teach and need to set an example for the people, I find it difficult to confess and difficult to be open sometimes. Why? Because I don't want the people to look at me and to be ashamed and to say, oh, Josh is weak, you know, and he's going through this and going through that. But guess what? As a leader, we are to go into battle together and, hey, if I grow weary, I hope that you would come that you would exhort me and that you would pray for me and that you would carry my burden as I would do the same for you. And this doesn't just go for the king. This doesn't just go for the shepherd. This, doesn't, this goes for anybody amongst the body of Christ. We are fighting this battle together and hey, we all grow weary swinging the sword. So let this be a testimony that we see. And let this be an example that we can take heed to. Amen? In this way, ask one another what's going on. I don't like playing this game anymore of this. So, how's things going? Good? Oh, cool, man. God bless you. See ya. No, no, it's not going to happen. I've been telling the guys, and I've been trying to exhort the brothers, no more will I have surface conversations with people. I don't want to do that. I desire to have a deep... If I'm going to talk with somebody, then hey, we're going to talk. Okay? It's not, hey, how's everything going? Good. Okay, I'll see ya. No, it's like, hey, how's your family doing? Oh, hey, well, how's work? How's your boss treating you? What's going on about this situation you told me about before? What can I pray for? Well, pray that I read more. No, that's whack. Okay? Not pray that you read more. What do you really need prayer for? Let's be honest. Let's be open. Let's exhort one another. Let's grab onto one another, Max. And Vincent. Let's be open. Let's be willing. Let's fight together. Let's be a family. You understand? And so David goes home. And guess what happens? The people rise up and there are three more giants that come and they, sl- they, just, they take him out. Jonathan, David, one of David's brothers, just drops this guy there at the end. And the battle's over and it says David won in victory and they, de- they were delivered. And that's the way it's going to be when, when, hey, guess what? doesn't matter how many giants come our way. When we take the burdens of one another, we will be delivered. I guarantee it. Me, Jay, and some of the guys, Alfredo and Donnie, we were pl- praying last night. And it was like we were going to battle and we felt like we had deliverance, we had freedom, like we had, we had moved forward. We had really, hey, in the midst of praying, it really brought out some of the things that are going on in our hearts. We confessed a lot of things, we were open, and then we prayed about it. We got on our face. And I'm telling you this, that as you pray and as you carry each other's burdens, guess what? Giants will be defeated. doesn't matter if it's Goliath or his brother, they're going to be taken down. In your life and in mine too. But it's not going to happen unless what? We fight. We do not fight against flesh and blood. But principalities and kingdoms that are not of this world. You know there's a kingdom in Riverside. There's a kingdom of Riverside that stands right here that has many in bondage. 
who are not set free and who are not delivered. And we must fight against it. You know that there are many in the church that are many that are in bondage and that are hurting and have needs. And they want somebody to fight for them. They are weary. They can't swing the sword anymore. But no one will speak out. No one will say something to them. Why? Because they say have surface conversations like, Hey, how's it going? I don't have time for you. That's pretty much what you're saying. I don't have time to have 15 minutes of conversation, really get into your life and pray for you. No, I'm not interested in that. i got to go to the movies. We need to get serious. We need to take these things on. Take care of each other's burdens, amen. Please. And watch how we will have victory in the war. And watch how we will destroy the giants that come our way. And the kingdom of Riverside will be obliterated. And that God will reign here. And it will be His kingdom. That's what we desire. There's famine in the land. Don't wait three years. Pray. If there is famine in the land, it's probably for some reason and you need to find that out and you need to bring it to the Lord. Carry each other's burdens. Be honest and open. Make the decision and move in that direction. Amen? You've heard many messages. But when will you start making decisions? I know and understand many things, but when will I, Josh Thompson, make the decision to move forward? That's the question. When you do that, the battle will be over. I guarantee it. And we will walk in victory, and we will celebrate day in and day out the things that God is doing, the way that God is working, and we'll celebrate. Amen? I bet you there's going to be some great opportunities. Christmas is next week. A lot of people heard it. Oh no, oh no. Back to reality. Here we go. We'll be seeing our families during Christmas time. And people are in need and people need to be prayed for and the truth needs to be stood for. Maybe you need to make some bonds or make some corrections, build back that bridge with some family members. Maybe you need to reach out to somebody who's hurting. I don't know what it is, but there's great opportunity. There's no excuse. Hey, Mark, can we make a decision? Can we as a group, can we make a decision that say, hey, we're going to be looking and being ready this Christmas season, next Tuesday, because we're not going to be here. We're going to be looking for the opportunity to minister, and we're going to come back in the following weeks and be able to bring back praise reports because we were ready and open and willing, and we moved because God asked us to. We fought the battle. We carried burdens. We saw people be delivered. Amen? Can we do that? Is that all right? Let me pray that over you. You agree with me. And let me exhort you in prayer. When someone is praying, you agree, yea and amen. We are Christians. We talk to God. That's what we do. We are not scared to say, amen. Right? I mean, amen. The word amen translated just means, so be it. It's saying, yeah, I agree with that. That's what, yeah, yeah, I like that. My heart's saying that too. Amen, Lord. Hey, as, as he was just praying that prayer, yeah, I want to agree with that. That's what you're doing. Don't allow your mind to wander. Gird up your mind. Maybe take advantage of the time in prayer. If one of us comes up against the enemy, it's like taking a sledgehammer and hitting a brick wall. But if all of us come up against the enemy and grab a sledgehammer, we destroy the wall. 
in one session. So I love to see a church of thousands. Everybody, I love, I love thinking about David when he says to everybody, on your face, Israel, on your face. And that everybody is on their face. There's not like one guy in the back like, oh, I don't want to get on my knees because I'm embarrassed. Now get on your, what? Down, before the living God. We're going before the king right now. And that's the way it should be in prayer too. It's like, huh? Wait, you're, wait you're not praying with us? Wait, we're not together as a family praying and lifting us up to the Lord, huh? Like, you don't want to say amen to that? Like, that's not... I'm telling you, I used to do this. I, I sat years in prayer and not saying amen to things, okay? I missed out on the blessing. And my mind wanders. That's true, okay? If you start praying, my mind will wander. And so you know what I have to do? I have to start like, yeah, Lord, I hear... It. Okay, okay, I'm back on track now. All right, okay. She's saying this, okay, he's saying that. Amen, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, yes, yes, Lord, please do that, please. Help us in that, please, King. I'm having my own conversation with the Lord as somebody else is praying, you see. May we do that, amen? I'm not saying you got to start shouting like we're sitting here praying, like, Amen! Amen! You know, it's like, hey, you! Suck that. <laughs> but it's alright to say amen to you. It's okay, you know? You don't have to say it to the person next to you hears. You're going to say, it's just okay. It's okay to say amen. Right? It's okay to agree with God. Alright? Let's go before the Lord and pray these things in. Okay. And Father, O great King of the universe, do you hear us, Lord? We thank you for the work that you're doing in us. And Lord, we desire to see you move in our lives, God. That you would, the things that you've spoken to us, the things that are fresh in our hearts that we hear loud and clear, that we want to be, that we want to change. We desire to make that right now. We desire to make a decision and to move in that direction that we would have victory. That God, there would not be famine within our own lives. And God, that as giants come up against us, we would have victory over all of them. So please help us, Father. We lay this at your feet. Let every single person walk away with these things etched upon their hearts. Let their minds be open and ready to the things of you throughout this week. Father, we do not want to be like the average Christian God. We're not saying this in pride, Father. We say this because we desire to bless you, to be obedient unto you, to live holy lives that are set apart unto you. So please, Father... Shape us, mold us, and make us your people. We desire to bless you and all that we do throughout this week. Starting tonight, God, would there be someone you'd minister to us, we, we, you desire us to minister to? Would there be a person tomorrow at work that we need to pray for or exhort? We are ready and we are willing to step out. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I was just reminded as I was praying, Jay wouldn't say it, but I'll say it for him. Jay the other day overhears this guy talking on the phone, and I guess his kid is like hurting or in the hospital or something has happened to his son, and Jay said like it was like a split personality, like his mind was telling him, don't you dare go over there and ask that man if he needs prayer. And he was like, but all of a sudden his body is just moving, you know, it's just like, he's like, don't do it, stop, you better stop, like his mind screaming at him, stop what you're doing, hey man, can I pray for you, you know, or can I pray for your son, and the guy was just like, yeah, and Jay prayed for him, 
And I'm sure that guy walked away blessed, and I'm sure he told all of his family, like, man, hey, some random guy approached me today and just said, hey, can I pray for your son? He overheard me on the phone. Long live the king, man. That's what we are called to do. That's who Christians are. Christians are not people who go to church. Get that out of your mind. Christians are people who love God wherever they are and love people everywhere. That's what we are called to. Amen? Stand up with me. We're going to do a chant. Alright? Stand up. Come on. Here we go. Okay, this is how it goes. I say something and you repeat it. Alright? Go to Hail Jesus, you're my king. Hail Jesus, you're my king. And your life makes me to sing. Your life makes me to sing. And I will praise you all my days. I will praise you all my days. You're perfect in all your ways. You're perfect in all your ways. And hail Jesus, you're my Lord. Hail Jesus, you're my Lord. And I will obey your word. I will obey your word. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see and not my will but yours be done. Not my will but yours be done. And hail, hail, line of Judah. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. And hail, hail, line of Judah. How powerful you are. Glory, glory. And glory, glory to the Lamb. Glory, glory to the Lamb. And you take me into the land. Continue clap, and we will conquer in your name. We will conquer in your name, and proclaim that Jesus reigns. And proclaim that Jesus reigns. And hail, hail, line of Judah. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How wonderful you are! How wonderful you are! And hail, hail, line of Judah. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How powerful you are! How powerful you are! And how wonderful you are! family for uh, sticking through the rain. Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you this week, this day, this night. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.